Today in Berkeley, protests are spilling into the streets. But tonight, many fear violence will erupt. Scuffles erupted at New York University Thursday night around an event featuring a controversial conservative figure. It's become an all-too-familiar story. A conservative firebrand is invited to speak on a college campus, a place that's supposed to be a bastion of free speech, and the campus flares up in protests. It's probably happened near you. It happened in my neighborhood. What you're hearing is a crowd protesting the appearance of conservative Ben Shapiro at the University of Utah. Inside the hall, there's a supportive crowd listening to Shapiro speak. Outside the hall, protesters are chanting in opposition and shouting down counter-protesters. Neither side is speaking to the other. No one's listening. It's mostly yelling. Pretty much the state of our nation. This is Next Door Strangers, a podcast about finding connection in a time of division. I'm Andrea Smartin. Today's show, a new kind of rebellion. I'm not talking about protests here. I'm talking about something in this day and age that is truly radical. Talking to the other side. Today, we're at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, where students are willingly attending a workshop on how to talk to someone you disagree with. But first, there's a line for hot dogs. Why are you interested in this? So part of it is definitely the free food. I'm also hoping that they'll give us tactics for being able to start these conversations and still end the conversation being friends. I feel like lots of people are so polarized today that, you know, the ability to have this conversation whether or not you agree with someone is kind of a fading skill set in America. And so I think it's important to learn how to communicate and talk with people whether or not you agree with them. Newlyweds George Garcia and Helen Barton have a personal interest. We are actually a married couple and we were recognizing that we don't even know what our political differences are. We haven't even really talked about it. And so we thought that this would be a good opportunity to really understand first how we can do that and how we could do it in a way that'll be like build a relationship rather than destroy it. (laughs) BYU is a Mormon university where a majority of the students are conservative. This campus feels pretty different from the liberal arts school I attended. The students here are a lot more clean cut. Shirts are tucked in, faces are clean shaven, and there are a lot more married couples, some of them with strollers. Maybe this is what the new rebellion looks like. So uh, please join me in welcoming uh, Jacob and Liz. Standing at the front of the lecture hall is Jacob Hess, a local religious conservative, and Liz Joyner, a liberal from Florida. Liz is the founder of Village Square, an organization promoting civil dialogue, and Jacob helped start a chapter of the organization here in Utah. But the main thing they want this crowd to know is that they're friends. So uh, Jacob and I are a subversive friendship, right? Subversive, right. Yeah. Um, So we disagree on maybe almost every policy position out there, possibly. I don't think we've discussed them all. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacob isn't as crazy as I thought, but he's still wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We used to call it a treasonous friendship until treason stopped being funny. (laughs) Now now we call it an unorthodox friendship or a subversive friendship. A subversive uh, friendship. 
two people with opposing views who aren't supposed to like each other, like America's founding fathers and rivals Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Or a more contemporary example that Jacob and Liz like to use, the unlikely friendship of Michelle Obama and George W. Bush. It started back in 2009. The two began talking during President Obama's swearing-in ceremony. You're good friends with Michelle. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Bush speaking on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Behind him on the screen is a picture of Mrs. Obama hugging him. That surprised everybody. That's what's so weird about society today, you know, that well, people on opposite sides of the political spectrum could actually like each other. But are you that close? You're closer to her than Barack? Uh... <laughs> well, let's put it this way. He's never given me a hug that way. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob and Liz believe that subversive friendships like these are the key to repairing the social fabric of the country. To that end, they've asked their audience at BYU to bring a guest. So, did anybody bring somebody specifically, take our dare, bring specifically someone who disagrees with them politically? One by one, hands go up in the air as the rebels reveal themselves. That's great. That is so great. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Whoa! So that is really fabulous. You all are overachievers, and there is hope. Jacob and Liz are planning events like this on college campuses around the country. They call it Respect and Rebellion. They're offering an alternative to what often happens, the booking of controversial speakers at universities like Ann Coulter or Ben Shapiro, people Liz calls flamethrowers. Very often some of the pattern is that conservatives on campus don't feel heard, and they want to feel heard. These speakers may draw big crowds and headlines, but Liz says they don't necessarily promote a real exchange of ideas. In fact, they may do the opposite. So they bring someone in, and unfortunately they bring someone in who in fact will probably in the long run have them feel more isolated. Jacob has firsthand experience feeling isolated, in the minority, in a graduate program dominated by liberals at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Remember after 9-11, Jerry Falwell came out and said, 9-11 is the fault of all the gays. And the lesbians who are actively trying to make that an alternative lifestyle, the ACLU, People for the American Way, all of them who tried to secularize America, I point the thing in their face and say, you helped this happen. And a feminist professor sent out a note to everybody in our psychology department and said, can you believe these conservatives? And I was this brand new graduate student, and I could not help respond and say, please don't assume that Pastor Falwell is speaking for the conservatives. But Jacob told the crowd at BYU that things changed for him on campus after his brother died of cancer. He was surprised to find support and friendship. And I was surrounded by the liberals, and and they mourned with me, and they loved me, and I studied with them, and I didn't see any liberal twirling their mustache, plotting the overthrow of the republic. (laughs) They were wonderful, how to fight domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera. So when I would come home and hear, Obama is trying to destroy America, He really is, and he knows what he's doing, I'll tell you that. He knows what he's doing. I would say, seriously? Listen to yourself. Listen, I know 25 people who believe what Obama believes, 
And they're thoughtful, good-hearted people, right? So that's how it started to change me. I couldn't take the sort of Rush Limbaugh narrative anymore. By bringing two people onto campus who fundamentally and deeply disagree, but have a relationship, liberal students will feel heard, and conservative students will feel heard, all in the same event. The other thing that's really important is, is that creates a dynamic where inside of the conversation, by, by virtue of the fact that you're, you've come to listen to your political um, friend, you also hear the political foe inside of a respectful, engaged relationship, and, and it changes things. It changes things pretty immediately. We've been able to show pre and post events like this that pe people change their mind. They demonize and vilify the other side less. Jacob and Liz see a hunger among young people for what they have to offer, the respect and the rebellion. Our culture has become very binary. You're either them or us. You're either with us or against us. You're either R or D. And, you know, when, when we meet students on college campuses, they seem ready for something different. So we, we set out to give them something different. The event at BYU coincided with the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Several students in the audience noted that in discussions on campus, people just seemed to get more entrenched in what they already believed. Liz said it wasn't just at BYU. That's what's happened across the country. We, we aren't divided by rational, even directly self-serving facts. We're divided into moral tribes. We're almost speaking different languages. We're definitely speaking different moral languages. And unless we know we're speaking different moral languages, we're kind of doomed to this sort of, you know, wheelhouse of, of deep and profound misunderstanding. Jacob gives an example from his own life, using one of the hottest of hot-button issues, climate change. He says the language we use can open up a conversation or shut it down. My favorite example is climate change denier, <laughs> right? I don't know how you feel when that word comes in time. It was actually coined. I wouldn't have even thought of it until Jacob right. told me that. You wouldn't have thought of it, but if you rewind the clock 10 years, it was coined by a progressive journalist who was trying to be insulting to conservatives. Referencing, of course, Holocaust deniers, AKA idiots. <laughs> Jacob had always had questions about climate change, but never felt like he could ask without being shamed. Finally, he found a progressive friend willing to hash it out, and it sparked his curiosity. He found a passage about climate change in the Bible. That made me curious, so I looked it up, and there it is, Book of Revelation 16.9. And the people were scorched by intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had authority over these plagues. Yet they did not repent and give him glory. Anyway, the point is, in order to have the discussion, both sides have to be willing to let go of this idea that the other side is evil, stupid, or morally bankrupt. And if you can do that, it opens up new possibilities to see things from another perspective. Here is where Jacob and Liz talk to the students about a concept in psychology that, full disclosure, has kind of changed the way I view the world. It's called moral foundations theory. Here's my very simplified explanation. When it comes to morality, liberals and conservatives are both concerned about caring and fairness. 
But conservatives have other moral values that liberals don't care about as much. They include authority, loyalty, and sanctity. Liz says this makes it easier to understand a conservative position on immigration, for instance. What sounds mean to her might sound moral to a conservative. So I have come to, at least in my mind, be able to sort of imagine, hmm, well, I think when conservatives are thinking about immigration, they, it isn't that they're mean, it isn't that they hate people, it's that they think they agree with me on those things, but they're also thinking of loyalty, the people who are here in the U.S., authority, you know, um, the rules, the laws. Um, and, and so they're, they're weighing it out over a broader cross-section of things. I've never thought about that authority idea that you, that you presented, um, but now that I think of it, I can totally see why some of my opinions are uncaring and hurtful. But in my mind, the authority outweighs that. In, in some things, mm -hmm. and I mean, it's and it's not that I that I would characterize them as hurtful, but I can see how they would be perceived as being hurtful. Yeah, and, I mean, in some ways, you're later, Liz told me that she always feels more hopeful after discussions like these. I actually came into the event a little saddened by the spectacle in Washington over the Supreme Court uh, justice confirmation, and I left feeling optimistic, we see that it works. You, you know, you, it, it, you see the national conversation and just the depths of despair that people feel and how off the rails it is. And then you have this experience like we had Friday at BYU. People think that this is way harder to solve than it really is. We are in the habit of simply not keeping company with people who aren't in our tribe. And if we change that habit of association, our problem would change quite naturally. Liz often says, don't wait for Washington to figure this out. Do it. Do what you can in your own life. Because they won't. <laughs> <laughs> don't wait for Washington to figure it out, because they won't. According to Jacob and Liz, the rebellion starts with relationships. There isn't any policy position that is important to me as my relationship with Jacob. I think right now, if you're concerned about whether your side or the other side wins on policy, you're not seeing the, the foundational risks that we're at right now as a people, that our relationship really is threatened. We have to be able to find each other again. Put the relationship first. Put the relationship first. What would that look like? Jacob and Liz are clear. It's not about getting along or being nice. It's not about giving up your most deeply held convictions. It's about caring enough to have an honest disagreement, to admit that we don't know it all and we're ready to listen. And if you're really listening, you have a much greater chance of being heard. Is there someone in your life who you disagree with on some topic? Could be big or small, climate change or the best way to roast a turkey. Your challenge is to interview that person about their views. But here's the catch. You're only allowed to ask questions for understanding. You wanna to get to the bottom of why they believe what they believe. You're not there to debate, but to listen and learn. Then you can switch roles if you want and find out what it feels like to be heard 
and understood. Report back by sending a voice memo or email to strangers at KUER.org. Coming up in the final episode of Next Door Strangers, we've got a plan to help you connect to people where you live. Next Door Strangers is a production of KUER in Salt Lake City. Our team includes Tim Slover, Joel Meyer, Gail Ewer, Renee Bright, and Chelsea Naughton. Find out more about our show and learn how to connect with others at KUER.org. I'm Andrea Smartin. 